Hello and welcome to this audio recording for the weekly research roundup for research published between the 20th and the 26th of September 2022. I'm Katrina Pears, the research correspondent for the ME Association. There have been nine new ME-CFS studies and 14 studies on long COVID this week. We have highlighted two of the studies. Paper 1 looks at the adaptive immune response and microbiota in severe ME-CFS. This study used a high-throughput method where they profiled the response of severe ME-CFS patients and healthy controls against microbiota and viral antigens represented in a pre-existing library of 244,000 antigens. Results showed that severe ME-CFS exhibited severe serum antibody responses against the bacteria Lactospiratia, specifically its flagellin, which is a structural protein inside the flagellum which helps the bacteria's mobility. The research team also applied computer models which further showed distinct immune responses against gut microbiota. These results show involvement in microbiota and the immune response in ME-CFS. The results also have the potential for providing diagnostic tests and biomarkers for ME-CFS. One of the strengths of this study is that it used 40 patients with severe ME-CFS and 40 healthy controls, where samples were collected from the UK ME-CFS Biobank, which the ME Association Ramsey Research Fund supports the running cost of. Using the UK ME-CFS Biobank, helped ensure the diagnosis of patients and also removed any further biases related to geography or sample handling. Furthermore, it's also nice to see a study using only severe ME-CFS patients, as these studies are definitely lacking, although the differences may not be so pronounced in other severities. Nevertheless, this study has its limitations, such as its small scale, using only one time point, and it is also impossible to profile all antigen responses against a known library, as it is impossible to capture all viral and bacterial antigens. Furthermore, like most studies on gut microbiota, it is also impossible to know if the results are the cause of the disease or as a result. For example, many people with ME-CFS change their diet, for example, as a result of increased food intolerances, or a change in the ability to cook, decreasing food diversity. Professor Eleanor Riley, who is a professor of immunology and infectious diseases at the University of Edinburgh and a former member of the research team at the ME Biobank. She has provided a comment on this piece of research which can be read on our website. Paper 2 is a preprint study, meaning the science has not been peer-reviewed and verified. This study tried to tie together several different aspects of ME-CFS, such as circadian rhythms, including circadian skin temperature rhythm, orthostatic intolerance, and endothelial dysfunction, which is the layer of cells lining the blood vessels, which we have previously written a research summary about. This study used 67 female patients and 48 controls who underwent orthostatic tests alongside a range of other measurements. Unsurprisingly, the researchers found alterations in circadian rhythms and pedodynamic measurements that are associated with endothelial dysfunction in ME-CFS. 
The results from this study further supported evidence of dysautonomia. The results can be further broken down with a range of significant results being found for ME-CFS patients compared to controls, such as ME-CFS patients had higher blood pressure and heart rate values at rest, higher amplitude of circadic activity rhythm, higher circulating levels of endothelia 1, ET1, which is an endothelial biomarker, as well as higher vascular cell adhesion molecule 1, VCAM1, which is also an endothelial biomarker. Furthermore, in MECFS patients, ET1, which is a biomarker, levels were associated with the stability and amplitude of temperature rhythm, i.e. the levels of this biomarker were linked to the severity of autonomic symptoms and wrist temperature. This study is strong in its reasonable sample size for ME-CFS research and the fact that the researchers also removed further variation by only using a female cohort, although this is also a limitation. However, the results do not allow causation to be explored and only mild to moderate severities of ME-CFS were investigated. At first glance, I thought this paper was trying to link together too many different factors. However, the study found a good range of significant results, important associations using fairly simple measurements and tests. This study also adds to the building evidence for endothelial dysfunction in MECFS, such as those papers listed in our previous research summary. Importantly, it is also the first study to link endothelial dysfunction to autonomic nervous system dysfunction. I hope these findings are verified by another group as this could lead to therapeutic interventions being targeted. There are also quite a few studies in this week's roundup which cover the overlapping conditions ME-CFS and long COVID. Papers 4, 6 and 7 further strengthen the similarities between ME-CFS and long COVID. While paper 9 shows that lower oxygen saturation and increased body temperature in the initial phases of a COVID-19 infection largely predicts later developing chronic fatigue syndrome in long COVID. Unfortunately, this paper is behind a paywall so we cannot fully evaluate this study. Thank you for listening to this audio recording of the weekly research roundup. I will be back next week with the next instalment.